God's word today. Hold on, I just lost it. Oh, there it is. Uh, Acts three, uh, verse seventeen through uh, twenty-six. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that He is uh, that His Christ would suffer, He thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, turn back, and that your sins may be blotted out, that time of refreshing may, may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, who heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, Lord God will wait, raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also pro- proclaim these days. Here are the sons of prophets in, of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of, of, of you from your wickedness. Let's pray. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for the blessing of your word, Lord, that uh, we're able to learn about your grace and your love for us, God. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, just ask that you uh, use Michael, Lord, just speak through him uh, whatever work whatever message you want us to hear today, God, and just open our hearts and our minds to that. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm, amen. I think now is a, a time. Um, Miss Beverly has a time for the, the young ones, so they're going to they're gonna go and be blessed right now. I love that. I love it. I also love the kids in the in the in the uh, well, they're not pews, but I love the kids in our worship gathering too, and it's so awesome. To, well, and one of my girls might fall asleep. I'll I'll wake her up if I need to. But it's so great to have our kids in singing with us, hearing God's word, hearing the testimonies. Um, it's awesome. Well, um, we've been talking about now for a couple of weeks. Um, we've been talking about our values. Um, what what was the Help me out here. What was the first value that we um, learned about two weeks ago? Scripture. Scripture. Very good. Okay, give Matt a gold star. He got it right. Um, uh, scripture. What, what, what about Scripture? What, how, how, are we suppo- how are we to approach Scripture? What is it about Scripture? The gospel is rooted. Okay, gospel is rooted in Scripture. The story, right? The story of God and what He's done. What he's doing, not just what he's done in the past, but what he's doing now in the lives of, well, us, his family. We are to be devoted to Scripture, right? We are to be devoted to Scripture because it's God's Word. It's God speaking to us, right? Um, last week we, um, we talked about another value. What was the, what was the other value that we, we talked about last week? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And how, how do we value the Holy Spirit? That's the question. How do we value the Holy Spirit? Y'all remember? 
we receive power from the Holy Spirit. We are devoted to prayer, right? Um, just as the early apostles, we, we're, we're looking at Acts, right? We're looking at the book of Acts and we're seeing what God is doing through this first church. They didn't even call themselves a church, really. They wasn't, there wasn't a first Baptist church of Jerusalem. Some might try to convince you of that. Um, but but it, was a, it was a gathering of Christ followers. These were followers of Jesus. These were His disciples. These were people that He had sent out. The word apostle means the, uh, somebody who is sent. These were the sent ones. And they, they knew that God, uh, through Christ, had sent them to be on mission for Him. But we, we learned last week that they couldn't go on mission for Him until they were empowered for the mission, right? And they were empowered for the mission through prayer. Um, this past week, um, said, I, I said, look, we're going we're gonna to start praying together more often. So we pray a lot during our worship gatherings, don't we? At the beginning, in the middle, in the end, after a song, after a scripture, and you're like, man, there's a lot of praying. Folks, we don't have any power except through prayer. So I'm repeating my message from last week. We, we decided we need to get out in our communities and begin praying again. So um, we took, I took my little family out there. The girls were like, we don't want to go. I said, come on, girls. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And it was a joyful time. We spent about 45 minutes praying um, around some of our neighborhoods. And we ended up getting to talk to um, three different individuals um, directly. One, we had a an extended conversation with him. We were able to pray for him and his son. Um, and it was just such a great opportunity for us to just be present and be able to say, look, we're praying for our community. What can we pray for you about? And so I encourage you to, to, to join us. Join us on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Um, we, we always publish the date in the, in the bulletin or in the handout, so you'll see it there. So today, though, we're, we, just, we just heard this passage read um, by Kevin in Acts chapter 3. We, we kind of jump into that. That's the middle of, or the, near the end of, a message, a sermon that Peter was preaching to a whole bunch of people in the temple courts. What had happened was they had just healed a man who was lame from birth, who came out of the womb sick and lame. And he never walked a, a, a second in his life, ever. He was, he, they don't say exactly how old he was here. Um, but we, we see this healing happen. And then people are going, what is going on? Well, how did this happen? And then we see them going, uh, how, uh, tell us, tell us where, where did you get this power? Where did you get this ability? And Peter says, well, I'll tell you exactly I'll tell you exactly why we are doing what we're doing. That's a good, that's a good uh, statement to, to remember. You might want to write it down and log it away. When people are saying, why are you loving me? Why are you serving me? Why are you trying to bless the community? Why are you always giving? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because of Jesus of Nazareth. So Peter goes in and he's able to tell them about Jesus. And he's be able to tell him how he lived, how he died, and that he rose again. And, and we jump into it kind of near the end where Peter is saying, okay, here's what you need to do. 
So as we encounter Scripture and the Holy Spirit is using Scripture and helping us understand it, He's going to call for a response. The response from, from what we learn in the Bible, the response is repentance. It's repentance. Repentance. Who do you turn to? That's my question. I, could have, I actually could have phrased it, what do you turn to? Because a lot of times it's a what. We get into situations in our life where maybe difficulties, stress, um, or how about boredom? <laughs> um, and we turn to something, right? We, uh, I, you're probably already thinking of things, but I'll give you some examples later on. But we turn to something. Maybe we need to think about it instead of a what, we need to think about it as a who. Who do we turn to? Who do we turn to? Well, we're going to focus in on two verses in this passage. And you have, your, you have the notes, a, a little listening guide on the back of the handout. If you want to fill in some of the blanks there or write down some notes, um, it's there for you. Um, but look at these verses one more time. I'm going to read verse 19 again. He said, Repent therefore and turn again or turn back <clears throat> that your sins may be blotted out. Followers of Jesus, this is the this is the a big a main point here, so here's some blanks to fill in. Followers of Jesus experience a change of heart and mind regarding sin and self-righteousness. Okay, there's so, so there's four blanks there, and we're gonna unpack them all. But followers of Jesus experience a change of heart and mind. A change of heart and mind regarding these two areas, sin and and self-righteousness. The word repent here in verse 19, it occurs 35 times in the New Testament. Now you wanted to know that, you know, just to keep it, in case you're keeping track. 39 times in the New Testament and 14 times in Luke and Acts. So those, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, they were all written by the same man. He uses that word repent over and over and over again more than any other author in the New Testament. Here's some examples. Back in Acts chapter, just, just from Acts, um, back in Acts chapter 2.38, Peter tells the people at that time, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and receive the Holy Spirit. And here in 3.19, repent and turn back. Um, later on in chapter 8, verse 22, repent and pray to the Lord for forgiveness. In chapter 17, verse 30, um, God commands all people to repent. And then all the way to 2620, repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with repentance. All of these examples in Acts are, are spoken to people who, who didn't know Jesus, need to know Jesus, need to come to Jesus, and need to repent. So they're, they're spoken to people who are far from God. But check this out though. The word repent occurs several times in Revelation as well. Revelation, in the first two chapters, Revelation 2 and 3, the word repent is used. Jesus is speaking to His people. He's talking to His family. And He's saying, you need to repent. Repentance, see, we're going we're gonna to learn, repentance doesn't stop when we come to Christ initially. But it's a pattern of our lives. Jesus' first sermon. Jesus' first sermon was a call to repent. Here, um, Two, from two different Gospels. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. 
From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in Mark 1.15, Mark tells it, um, tells the same same sermon, but it was on probably a different occasion and when Jesus said it in a slightly different way and He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That was key for Mark as Mark was writing his gospel. The repentance followed by belief. This is Jesus' first sermon. If, it, if Jesus preached this, we ought to preach it too. That's why the, the River Church values repentance. Difficult, uh, it's a difficult subject, but it's a simple concept. What's, the definition of repent is to change, change one's mind or to feel remorse. In the New Testament, the, the idea of repentance is a complete alteration and change of your basic motivation and direction of your life. It's a complete alteration of the basic motivation and direction of one's life. It is a change of both your heart and your mind. First, though, let me show you what it is a change of heart and mind about. It's a change of heart and mind regarding sin. Remember those, uh, we saw those two passages. Um, this one right here um, in verse 19 in our focal passage, he says to repent and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. So we, we experience a change of heart and mind regarding sin. In, in the previous um, uh, reference that I mentioned, back in chapter 2, when he says to repent and be baptized, he tells him to do that for the forgiveness of sins. And even back, if we go all the way back to Luke, we see one of Jesus' last things that He told His people was as He was kind of giving part of their commission for what they were going to be all about, He told them in Luke 24, verse 47, that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. So, forgiveness of sins is part of repentance. We, we repent because of sin. We have a change of heart and mind regarding sin. Let me just, let me just put that in context of the story. The story of God. We've been going, um, we've been learning about the, the story of God in our missional communities. We've been seeing the big, big themes of the story. And we've been seeing how they're highlighted in the, the, the creation account and, the, and Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and Noah and Abraham and the story of the Exodus and, and the prophets and the kings of Israel. And in Jesus, we're seeing the story unfolding that is in God's Word in Scripture. The story of God tells us that God alone always does, right? Some of you all know what I'm get, getting to. He always does what is good and right and perfect. In other words, He is holy. He's holy. God is holy. And sin is rebellion against God and His ways. And because God is holy, He will not allow sin in His presence. That's a problem, isn't it? The Creator God of the universe has created us, but we have sin. He is holy, and sin can't be in His presence. That's a problem. Sin means that we're separated from God, right? We're separated from God and His good and right and perfect purposes for our lives. Repentance, though, 
means that we change our heart and our mind about our sin and we turn away from our rebellion against God and His ways. We turn away from the rebellion. See, repentance is that first step in becoming a follower of Jesus. Conversion. We like to use that word sometimes, conversion, and we think about converts and, and how to bring people into faith in Christ. Well, hey, it's a, biblical, it's a biblical word. It's a biblical concept. Let's not throw it out. Conversion is important because it's the first step in becoming a follower of Jesus. But repentance doesn't end at conversion. Look at this quote. Martin Luther wrote the 95 Theses, which kind of just started the wildfire of the Reformation. And the very first thesis of these 95 is that our Lord and Master Jesus Christ willed that the whole life of believers should be repentance. It's not something you do here and there. It's not something, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and repent. Or I'm going to go to youth camp one year out of the, of the, or one week out of the year and repent. And then I'll go back to live in my life. It's a daily thing. Jesus intended us to have a heart of repentance continually, regularly. We're called to repent of our sin every day. That's why in Luke 9.23, Jesus said, I'm running out of breath. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Deny himself. So in other words, we turn from our own ways and we turn to Jesus, to God and His ways for us. That's what Jesus said. That's what it means. That's what we should be doing daily. As followers of Jesus, we're called not only to repent of sin though, but what's that other thing? To have a change of heart and mind regarding sin and what? Self-righteousness. Ooh, okay, so, uh, so let's get into this a little bit. How many of you would like to freely admit that you are self-righteous about something, anything. No? Oh, well, one honest soul this morning. I should probably raise my hand with you because I have battled this this very week. Because what self-righteousness is, is I am a good person and other people are not. I mean, that's about as simple as you can get it, right? That's something that our, our little kids, our, our children could understand. It's about as simple as that. Listen to this parable Jesus told. He told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He said two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. The Pharisees were the, were the, were the best people. Don't, don't think, oh, Pharisee, oh, they were mean, nasty, you know. No, these people followed the law. They did everything right. People respected the Pharisees. He's standing there, and, a, and the other man was a tax collector. Tax collectors were the worst of the lot because they, that meant... Here was a Jewish person who was collecting taxes for Rome, for the enemy. They were traitors. They were turncoats. They were the Benedict Arnolds of the time. Nobody liked the tax collectors. That's why they always talked about tax collectors and sinners. They put them all together. 
These were louses. These were the worst people. These were, these were, okay, I won't get into it. You imagine the people you don't want to be around who are far from God, who you say, uh, maybe we shouldn't hang out with them because I need more girls. We need more godly friends in our lives, right? Yeah, that's good. Godly friends are good. But, look what happened. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, oh, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified before God rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Folks, we are the Pharisee. If you have grown up in the church and you have worked hard to be good, you have worked hard to live a godly life, to be, I am a good Christian... Maybe you don't think that and feel that very often. Maybe you're, maybe you're here this morning thinking, I'm the tax collector. I am jacked up. Good. That's exactly how He wants us to think. That we're jacked up. That there's nothing good in us apart from, from what Christ has done in us. But the problem is that we come off being the Pharisee most of the time. Looking down with contempt on people who are far from God. Then remember the parable of the lost son? I won't read the whole thing, but the parable of the lost son, or or otherwise known as the prodigal son. The son says, I want my inheritance now. I'm taking it, and I'm going. Takes his inheritance, goes into a foreign land. He squanders it on all kinds of wild living, loses everything he has, ends up being destitute, and the only job this good Jewish boy, maybe he wasn't so good, but the only job this Jewish boy could, could get was hanging out with the pigs, the worst of the animals. That, that, was a, that was a Gentile job. But this, the only job he could get was feeding these pigs, and he was like, man, if only I could eat what they're eating, because I don't get enough to eat. So he goes back, and his loving patient father is looking for him, welcomes him, accepts him back. You're my son. You're in my family. I love you. But there's another part of the story, isn't there? There's the older brother who says, why are you treating my, my younger brother like that? He's not part of our family anymore. He left. He's been ostracized. He's no good anymore. And you're treating him like that? What about me? You've never thrown me a party. We are so often the older brother. And we are looking down on other brothers and sisters who are part of God's family. Who have received grace from God or who need to receive grace from God. And we're looking down on them? Romans, Romans 10 challenges us, challenges us because we see, the, we see other people who are far from God and we think, boy, they need to be saved. 
Boy, they need Jesus, right? We think that? And, and hopefully we pray for them. But think about it. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul writes, How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him whom, of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? The, that word preaching, don't get intimidated by it. Proclaiming. Telling. That's what it is. Just telling. And he, he writes, And how are they to preach? unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Folks, we have been talking about this for weeks. If you are in Christ, you are sent. Period. We don't have to have a special commissioning service because the Holy Spirit Himself has commissioned you. When He transformed your life and made you a child, a son or daughter of God, you have been sent anywhere and everywhere you go to, to, to bring the good news. And how beautiful are your feet to those people when you're sharing the good news. How will they receive God's grace unless they hear? How will they hear unless we tell them? But, but there are times when we won't even talk with them, let alone we won't share a meal with them. We won't have them in our home. We won't go to their home. We won't have anything to do with them. But folks, it's not. Until we see, until we see how desperately they are lost and how abundantly Jesus loves them and how, much, how great His grace is for them, will we continue to be in our self-righteous state? Will we? We need to repent of our of our sin, because I know, folks, there's sin in our lives. There's sin in every one of your lives. I mean, we, are, we may be saved by God's grace and, and hallelujah and praise the Lord and we rejoice in that week after week when we gather together and we thank Him for that every day. But there's still sin. We're, we're saints who sin. And we need to repent of that regularly. And we need to repent of our self-righteousness. We need to get on board with what Jesus called us to be. A community on mission. Making disciples who make disciples. That's all the River Church is about. We are not about attracting a huge crowd. You see this morning, we are few, but we are powerful in Christ and in the Holy Spirit. Our job is to make disciples day in and day out. That's it. Let's not worry about the rest of that stuff. It'll take care of itself. The, a new building will take care of itself. A larger meeting place will take care of itself. When, when we need it, we'll have it. A brand new sound system, a, another, a worship team, uh, a worship leader besides myself, somebody who can sing without losing his voice before preaching. So, you know, all of those, those will take care of themselves. God's got that under control. Our job right now is to make disciples who make disciples. Followers of Jesus, I'm going to get through this one really quickly. I, the message was started late, so I really am, I'm only about 20 some odd minutes into the message, 25 minutes. Um, but I'm going to get through this section more quickly. Followers of Jesus experience the grace of Jesus through repentance. The grace of Jesus through 
repentance. The other word in this passage, turn back, it's almost a synonym to repent. It really is just about a synonym. It can mean turning, like the word is used in the New Testament, turning around, like somebody turned physically and spoke to somebody or whatever. But spiritually, it means to change one's mind or a course of action for better or worse. Does that sound like repentance too? <laughs> See how similar they are? The idea is very much related. And all through the, through the book of Acts, um, if you're keeping score, 36 times in the New Testament, 11 times alone in the book of Acts, most of any other New Testament book, the, uh, there, it's all over the place. You can find it, just you know, do a little Google search or go to, to Bible Gateway or something like that. You'll find all these references there where the word turn is used. But it's turning, almost always used, turning to something. You know, or, or more, more, more specifically, turning to God. Turning to Jesus. Turning sometimes back to God or turning to the Lord, to the living God, turning from, from darkness, turning to light. It's all over. We all turn to something when we are, we are stressed, we're scared, we're despondent, sad, depressed, bored. We turn to something, don't we? Right? Family. Sure. Hobbies. Work or school. Recreation. We love our recreation. Ooh, here's a good one. Entertainment. We love our entertainment, don't we? Food, drink, sex, or maybe our favorite thing to turn to. We turn to ourselves. Just believe in yourself. Look inside yourself. That message is all over the place. And the message is being broadcast to our children over and over again. I won't pick on any current movies that are out right now, but, the, but it's there. Turn to yourself. When things get tough, dig deep. Find it within yourself. We find meaning or satisfaction oftentimes in the people or things that we can experience in this life. But, but that's not what we were created for. We were created for something more. We were created for a relationship with God. That's what the story of God tells us. That's what God's Word tells us. That we were created to have a life lived close to God and under His protection. A life that is full and complete. God wants us to be completely joyful and satisfied in life. And He knows it will only happen in Him. That's why this psalm, this verse in Psalm chapter 16, or the 16th psalm, um, verse 11, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, the Lord's presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, anything but God is just a shadow. It's a shadow of His goodness, of His rightness, of His perfection. Anything aside from God becomes another God when we go to it for joy or satisfaction. So, our family, God. Our hobbies, God. Our work, school, God. Recreation, entertainment, God. Little g, right? Food and drink, sex, all of the rest, ourselves. We make ourselves a God when we turn to anything but Him for the ultimate joy and satisfaction in life's 
journey. See, that's the ultimate self-righteousness, isn't it? That we like, we don't really need God. Self-righteousness. I'm righteous in myself and in what I have around me and the things that I can, I can look for. See, God offers us here in this passage, and we see it through Peter's message to the, the folks there. He tells them in verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence, literally the face of the Lord. The face of the Lord means we're in His presence. And Peter's saying, this is what it's all about. So your sins may be blotted out. You repent so that you can experience times of refreshing. Uh, 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 this refreshing, it maybe it's sometimes called relief, or uh, sometimes the, it can be translated as, or understood as, breathing space. Room to breathe. I'm suffocating in this world. Maybe you're suffocating right now in this room. But we want to experience times of refreshing. That's what God offers us. The experience of relief from obligation or troubles. Why does the River Church value repentance? Because it leads to this experience of God's grace. That's why we value repentance. That's why we, we, we want to be known for people who repent of our sin and self-righteousness. It's going to be difficult. It may be painful. It may be even a little bit embarrassing. Try repenting. Try confessing your deep sins, your dark sins, that you are holding deep inside, that you don't want anybody else to know about. Go ahead. Stand up in front of the congregation and share those and repent and see how embarrassing and painful it can be. But repentance leads to times of refreshing. I'm not saying we all have to do that. Repentance can happen in a lot of ways, but it has to happen in community. If you gotta, there's got to be an experience of, of the body of Christ in repentance. Uh, where did it, John, I believe, said in his word, confess your sins one to another. Confess your sins one to another. Not to a priest. Maybe a pastor. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children. How many times have I had to confess my sins to you girls in the past? It doesn't happen every day because I, I don't repent every day like I should. But the, sometimes it means confessing your sins to your children, your spouse, the, your disciples, discipling partners or people in your relationship or your discipling groups or within your missional community. Repentance, though, folks, look what he says, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Ultimately, repentance leads to Jesus. God wants you to actually receive Him, self, in Christ, to know Him, to love Him. That's what salvation is. And it only comes through repentance. Do you want more grace in your life? A few nods. Yes. We want more grace in our life. We want more of God's goodness just lavished on us. We want more of His love on us. We want more of Him. We want more of Jesus in our life, right? We must experience a change of heart and mind regarding sin and self-righteousness. The, the big idea, it's right there in your handout so you can take it home with you. Followers of Jesus value repentance by daily turning to Jesus 
from sin and self-righteousness. Followers of Jesus value repentance by daily turning to Jesus from sin and self-righteousness. What's that going to look like? What does that look like? Every day. Every day. We come to God. We come to His Word. We come to that time when we spend it in His Word. We're reading through our Bible plan. We're, we're reviewing the, the Scripture that we're memorizing. We're praying in all of that. And we're coming to Him saying, God, show me my sin. <laughs> Help me understand where I need to repent of sin and self-righteousness. You say, you say, I want to experience the grace of Jesus. I want to experience a life that is full and complete. I want to experience times of refreshing. So ask yourself this question. What sin do you need to repent of? What is God saying to you today? Don't wait because you won't repent of it later. You won't repent of it later on after lunch, after we take our trip to Costco, after Walmart, after we get into the week, maybe once I get into my my daily devotions this week, or maybe when I meet with my buddy or my girlfriend and we talk about and we pray, I'll repent then. You won't do it. I know, because I won't do it. If God is saying, speaking to you about a sin that you need to repent of now, what is it? Repent of it. Get right with God right now. What self-righteous attitudes or actions do you need to repent of? Do it right now. And then as we're, as we're preparing to, to leave this place, with whom do you need to share the good news? It truly is good news, repentance. But who do you need to share that with? Repentance and grace. Those names are probably already on your transformation cards. Or maybe you just need to fill out another one because the list keeps growing of people that you need to share that good news with. We're going to do a time of response a little bit differently. Um, I'm going to ask our um, musicians in a box. <laughs> I want, I'm going to ask our, our sound technicians to play a song. It's a song that you, you know, you've, you've heard it. And we're going to stand together in a moment. And, and you can sing along. But I'm going to stand up here. I, instead of playing my guitar, I'm going to pray. Because I feel like I need to be on my face before the Lord and praying about these things. And then I invite you, if you want to respond, I know we're a small group. I know you all see what's going on. I, I know it's not going to be a secret who walks up front and who stays where they're at or whatever. We're a family. Just, just come forward. If you want to pray with me, if you want to talk with me, we do a time of response like that this morning. So let me pray. Father, we love you. I know that this is a hard message. Anytime we talk about sin and we talk about our self-righteousness, it starts to sting a little. That's the self-righteousness coming in and saying, I'm not that bad. The truth of the matter is we are far worse than we believe ourselves to be. And those around us are loved far more than we believe they are worthy of being loved. Loved by you, God. And Lord, I just pray that we will come before you with a repentant heart. 
David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Peter said that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that we may receive the Christ, the appointed one, Jesus. God, we long for that. May we be a church that knows how to repent, that is not ashamed of the gospel, that calls us to, to turn away from our sins and to come directly to You, Lord God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we